0: Hi, my name is Amani, and you're listening to Raise Your Words. On this podcast, I will be talking to authors, influencers, and friends about books, movies, and shows, and get their input on what they think about it. I will also be talking a lot about pop culture references, as well as interviewing authors like Priyanka Taslim who is the author of The Love Match interviewing Anika Sharma who I have already interviewed in season one and in season two I have a lot of very exciting guests that I am thrilled to bring on the show on the podcast that you're listening to right now stay tuned for more Neely and welcome to Raise Your Words Podcast. Can you please introduce yourself for my listeners who might not know who you are?
1: Hi, yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, my name is Neely Tubati Alexander. My debut novel, Love Buzz, just came out um, earlier in May, and it is a women's fiction story. as has a lot of romantic elements as well. Um, I'm a writer based in Arizona. I have two small kids, and I'm really excited to just be getting to meet all of these new people as part of the launch process for this book.
0: that and if you were to describe your book in one word what would it be
1: oh gosh um one word I guess I would say sassy (laughs) um it's you know it's got a lot of elements kind of all going at once but yeah hopefully it's a little bit a little bit sassy
0: That was actually one of the things I really loved about your book of how much of a personality your characters have. And it really shines throughout.
1: Oh, awesome. I'm glad that that was the case then and not just in my head.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What was the querying and submission process like for Love Buzz?
1: Yeah, so I finished the book uh, the first draft, I guess I should say, I had edited it a couple of times, but really I considered that first draft, the one that went out to agents, but I had finished that draft um, around September of 2021, which is when I began querying. I did have beta readers prior to that as well, which I think was really important and then made some edits through that process as well. And then I went out to query in September Um, I queried for about three months and got sort of mixed responses, got a lot of no's, um, had some requests for fulls, and at the end of the year, I received a revise and resubmit request, which was fantastic. I spent kind of the holidays making that edit and uh, received an offer in early February, Um, and then I took that offer and went back to some of the agents that either hadn't responded or still had fools out and let them know I had an offer of representation. It's a bit of a game, (laughs) you know, when you get into this process, because you're, you know, it's sort of like real estate where you're kind of like, okay, what's your best and final? And so I was lucky enough to get a second agent offer during that time. And that ended up being from um, Elizabeth Weed at the book group, who I ended up um, choosing to work with. She was phenomenal. And then we edited together for about three weeks. And then we went out on submission we were lucky enough to go to auction and have a couple of interested parties. So again, kind of you go to a point where you, you ask for sort of a final offer <laughs> on the book. And then we ended up at Harper Perennial, which I've been really, really happy with. So um, yeah, it's quite an interesting process. And then the submission, the query process took about three months, but the query... The sorry, the query process took about three months, but the submission process went a lot more quickly. It was it was a matter of I think two two weeks. So, um, yeah, it just goes to show you you never quite know what to expect through the process, and that one process going a certain way, you know, doesn't necessarily dictate what's going to happen in the next step or the next process.
0: And do you have any advice for anybody who might be on submission or? Is looking to query on like a literary agent?
1: Yeah, if you're on submission or you're querying now, you know, it is very much a roller coaster of emotions. You know, one day you might get a wake up to a no, and then by the end of the day you have a full request. So it really is just having to hold on and power through the process. If you're getting ready to query, I would say um, ensuring that your query letter is up to par, is kind of structured correctly, has the you know bones and the things that it needs to have. I naively sent out a query letter to a, the handful of agents I initially submitted to and then kind of realized through that process that it wasn't a great query letter. Um, I had one agent that was kind enough to give me feedback on the query and said, you know, the same sample pages were good, but you know didn't really get a sense for xyz in the query letter so i knew that i had some work to do on it and a lot of agents won't give you that feedback right they just will will give you a no so um, making sure that your query letter is really sort of formatted and there is you know some room for for kind of making it what you want but there really is sort of a format and structure that works best when you think about agents sort of going through a pile of 20 50 you know queries at one time they want to be able to get kind of straight to the point and, and understand very quickly and clearly what it is that you are presenting to them and what your book is about. So there there's a lot of you know podcasts and, and articles out there that can be referenced, but um, I would definitely make sure the query is buttoned up and the query letter is, is really tight and really gets your point across clearly in a short, um, concise amount of time.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's definitely true with the writing, the way the writing, um, the querying process goes and everything. Half the times you'll get, you know, people will ask for more chapters and then sometimes you don't hear back for a while or sometimes you will hear back and it's a form rejection. How do you tend to deal with form rejections or with, getting all those rejections before you finally got your publishing deal?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And I think one thing that I have learned through this process and not just through querying, but kind of through the whole process of going on submission and now, you know, the book being out in the world and it being exposed to readers that There's so much more than just this is good or not that in terms of the decision that people are making about whether to acquire your book or whether to work with you as an agent, it really is a more complicated conversation. I think that we as authors sometimes will narrow it down to and and tend to believe that it's just about, well, you didn't like my book (laughs) or my book wasn't good enough. And it's easy to sort of go to that place. But what I've started to see, you know, and I really understand more on this back end now is that's not really the case an author, an agent or an editor could really love the book, but they could have another author or another, you know, project that is very similar. And it doesn't make sense for them to take on two projects like that. It could be a sales and marketing discussion or, or conversation. There are just so many other elements that are beyond just whether the book is good and whether they like it. And so I think, going into it and keeping that in mind as part of the process, especially as you're getting the rejections, had I known that and truly believed that on the front end, I think it would have made it a lot easier, but um, you know, this industry is full of rejection. It doesn't go away once you've gotten your agent and once you've gotten your um, publishing contract, you know, we're, we're getting ready to go on submission again for book three, probably before the end of the year. And we'll go through this all again. Right. So you're still doing that throughout your career, regardless of, of how many books you have go out into the world. So, um, it's definitely just a, um, a launching point and sort of a starting point for, for what you're going to continue to experience throughout your career.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good advice, especially, for anybody who is going through that process. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things I wanted to know is what is your writing routine like when you're on a deadline?
1: Yeah, I, I like deadlines because I like to know that I'm working towards something and it keeps me me more focused and motivated. So I'll often have self-imposed deadlines as well, but really if it's a main focus and I'm, you know, a week away or a couple of days away, I will I tend to ha- kind of hammer things out in that those last few <laughs> days or that last week, um, in a procrastination type of way. But also because I feel like that's when you're really living in it, working in it, you know, you have the most exposure to it. The consistency is really key because the longer you step away from something, the more time it takes to get back into it. So, whereas if I just worked on it yesterday and I come back to it today, I don't need to go spend 30 minutes kind of reading through to get myself reacquainted with where I am and what I need to do for that day. It's still fresh and top of mind. So it actually cuts down the, the amount of work. Um, I'm not someone who follows the, the rules like you must write every day or you must do have a set schedule. Um, I think Stephen King said he, you know, works, locks himself in a room for eight hours a day. I'm probably butchering that quote, but um you know, I'm a mom with two small kids. That's just not an option for me. So I think that we have to give ourselves grace and flexibility, but also know that you're doing yourself a favor by staying close to it because it's, in a, it's ultimately then going to take you less time.
0: And there's also no. Nope. Did I lose you?
1: Can you hear me? Now I can. Yes.
0: Okay. So yeah, I feel like there's no one rule fits all when it comes to uh, like, you know, authors and writing processes. And that's something to keep in mind if this is something that is new for you as well. Um, I feel like a lot of the times people tend to think that if Stephen King writes a certain way, that's how they need to write. And that is not the case. Do what works best for you.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And it's so much of it is an intuitive process, right? It's learning yourself. It's learning how you work, how you perform, what motivates you, um, how you best find and tap into your creative space. And no one can tell you how to do that for yourself. There are certainly ideas and tips and suggestions, right. And things that have worked for other people and it's great to try and experiment on those things, but ultimately you really have to find what is unique and specific to you. Um, I, I definitely believe that.
0: How does your love life influence your, uh, your books?
1: (laughs) Well, I write romance um, or, you know, women's fiction with, with strong romantic elements. And I, um, I met my husband in college and so we've been together for almost 20 years at this point. So it's, he certainly impacts any love interest that I write because you, you certainly do pull from experience, but it's also fantasy and it's also, you know, storytelling and all of these things. Um, my husband and I did meet in a drunken night in a bar, which is the meet cute and love buzz. So there is a similarity there, but ultimately I think it's, you know, writing romance, there is a a fantasy element where you are writing characters that exist, but also you're writing characters that you want to exist, right? And that are representations of healthy, strong, you know, relationship dynamics. And you want, at least for me, I want to make sure that I have representation of that. I
0: love that. And it's also like one of those things where whenever you draw from personal experiences, it adds more depth to the story. So I really like that it has a personal touch as well.
1: Yeah. It's fun to be able to write. Um, you know, people sometimes ask is, is this character, this real person, or, you know, based on anyone. And it's never that simple. It's, you know, you pull characteristics and mannerisms and ticks and, um, you know, language from certain people, but, it's never as simple as this character is directly based on this person. We just pull from the many types of things we observe from the world. So, um, but it is fun to be able to pull elements of your real life, big or small into, into story. That's always fun.
0: True. And what's one thing you would like readers to take away after reading Love Buzz?
1: Oh, you know, first and foremost, I hope that it's an escapist fun read. You know, I, I, wrote this book or started this book during COVID w- during the height of COVID and where that, these are the types of books that I was reading, right? Escapist reads that really felt fun and warm and, um, you know, could, could take away from the heaviness of the world. So that those are the books that I still gravitate towards. So I hope first and foremost, people find a fun escapist opportunity to just have, you know, a couple hours of, of fun. Um, and you know, there are some some deeper elements as well the book tackles grief and love and loss and um what that looks like and how it manifests in our lives familiar familial relationships and estrangements and how that can happen and how the effects that those things have on our lives so uh there are definitely other elements besides just the romantic escape but it's certainly um i certainly aim for for that type of book
0: is there anything you can tease about your upcoming books
1: Sure. So I have a second book. It is a standalone. Um, I don't think I could write series. I you're so I, I tend to be so sick of the characters by the time the book comes out. I don't know how people do that. But uh my second book is gonna be coming out, I think, in March, also from Harper Perennial, which is exciting. Um, and it's title to be determined, I think, right now, but it is um does fall more into the traditional rom-com contemporary romance space. So that'll be fun. And then like I mentioned, I'm drafting book three now, which, um, will probably go on, on submission for later this year. So it's, that's one of the things I also didn't really kind of think about or realize, you know, going into this process is that you will sort of always have your hand, especially if you're doing a book a year or, you know, close to that, you'll always have your hand in multiple projects at once. So you really have to focus on keeping things straight from one book to the other, But yeah, that's, um, that second book is, uh, going to be more of a traditional rom-com. It's about a video game designer who is a doomsday planner. Um, and she goes on a fake romantic escape. So it's a fake dating trope, um, with her neighbor to help him make his ex jealous.
0: Nice. That's something that's right up my alley. Awesome. (laughs) What is uh, some advice that you would have for young writers or young kids who want to become writers?
1: Yeah, I think, so there's so many things that I used to hear kind of on the other side of this that didn't really resonate until I got to certain points of this process, meaning they sounded like nice words to say, or you know, just felt like maybe that's the right thing you're supposed to say, but they really are true. And one of those things is that, Any words you write are never wasted and it can feel like a waste. So many authors have a book or multiple books in the drawer that never saw the light of day. I have one as well. Um, And I have plenty of projects that I started and never finished that are saved in a file on my computer, but those words were never wasted and they're not wasted because you are learning your craft. And there's a difference between being able to sort of write a few pretty sentences and being able to put an entire story together and learn the skill, the craft, the art of storytelling. Those are two very different things. And the craft of storytelling is something that I had to learn and it takes time, it takes effort, it takes words on the page. And so I would say that the biggest advice I could give to someone is, Write and keep writing, even if you don't think it'll ever see the light of day, while that may be your ultimate goal to be published or to, you know, whatever that ultimate goal is, those words will not be wasted, even if you don't know what form they're going to take, or maybe they will never be shown to anyone other than yourself, but they ultimately are helping you gain that skill of storytelling. And the good news with storytelling is that it is a skill. And just like any skill, it can be learned, but that's how you learn it, right? It's by by writing words. And, and some of those words may go somewhere and some of them won't, but they're all le- leading and lending toward learning the craft. And what is
0: something that you wish you knew as a debut author that you would give to other debut authors, like advice that you would have?
1: Oh yeah, there's so much that I've learned through this process in a relatively short period of time. You know, I think a lot of us go into this process really not knowing how how things work, um, how long they take, how many people are involved, what the steps are and what order those steps go in in terms of production of the book itself. Um, I would say the biggest thing that I would suggest to debuting authors is to really take the time to learn the business side of this industry. Um, you know, oftentimes we are creatives, we writers, we authors, right. And, and, we focus on the craft and we should be, you know, ideally we would just focus on the craft and nothing else, but there's so much more than that that goes into this business and it is a business. And so, um, the more you can know about how the business element inside of of it works, the more you can advocate for yourself, the more you can make good decisions. And, um, that component is, I think the side of the, of the industry and of being an author that we sometimes could potentially overlook as creatives. That's, That's just as important. So I would say definitely learning the business side of, of, of the industry and how it all works.
0: Yeah. And, uh, do you have any advice on where people can go to get started on that?
1: Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is Courtney mom's book, uh, before and after the book deal. That was recommended to me right after I signed with my agent. Uh, but there's so much even before that that is helpful if someone's even thinking about going out and and uh, querying a book. But that one's great because it talks numbers, uh, it talks about royalties and how advances work, and just these things that no one really talks about or tells you. Um, so that's a great resource. I would definitely look into articles that talk about, um, you know. The money component and breakdown, right? Again, so you can advocate for yourself. What is realistic to get from a big five in terms of a of an, of an advance? What if you're with a smaller, um, a, a smaller publisher? How would that? How would that be different? How how much do you earn per book from a royalty perspective? When can you expect to see those payments? How does that work? It's not all about money, but understanding the money component is a big part of understanding the business component of it as well. So, but her book is a great one because it really starts to break down some of these things that we really don't, don't hear about or talk about much in the industry.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. I let all my podcast guests name their episodes and that's something that is unique to my podcast, Raise Your Words. And do you have any suggestions for your episode?
1: I love that. Um, I think a lot of what we've discussed is around the the bumpy road to, pub- to publishing your first book or to debuting, right? And sort of how you get there and the, the highs and the lows that come with that. So maybe something like that, but... Ultimately, I was looking through the, I've listened to a few episodes and I was looking through your, your previous list and they all sounded like, like great unique ones. So, um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is around, around the debut process and what that looks like. And again, a lot of this stuff doesn't get talked about. So it's great to be able to have the conversation and help sort of add some transparency in areas of the publishing industry that there isn't always transparency.
0: Yeah. And that's honestly one of the things I'm really, I was really happy that we could discuss today. Yeah. Anyway, uh so the next part of this inter- uh interview is the rapid fire section. So basically, I will ask you a few questions and you can say whatever comes to mind. If there's anything you would like to skip, you can just say skip and I'll delete it out of the episode.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: All right. So the first one is if your protagonist was um in a in their like Taylor Swift era, <laughs> what would they be?
1: Oh gosh, Um, I'm only supposed to say one word, right?
0: Well, you can say a, like you know a couple of sentences if you like.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, that's so hard. I I was gonna say teardrops on my guitar and go way back, Um, but I'd also probably say folklore because it's like very much like the you know that's just a storytelling component as well, and and so much of what she's going through is sort of reconciling her her past with her future. And so I think the whole folklore album um represents that.
0: So a mix between debut and folklore. There you go. Yes. Nice. All right. Uh if do you have a preference between hardbacks, paperbacks or ebooks or audiobooks?
1: Paperback. Yeah, I'm I I listen to audiobooks when I'm getting ready and driving and things like that, but there's nothing that nothing that Um, compares to holding it. And I often read in bed. So hardcovers are sometimes challenging for that. So um, yeah, I like a paperback that you, you can kind of throw in a bag for vacation too.
0: Would you rather have Love Buzz be adapted into a TV show or a movie?
1: Ooh, a movie.
0: What would the soundtrack, what is one song that you would love to have as the soundtrack of Love Buzz if it was adapted?
1: Well the the title is a is a Nirvana song, Love Buzz is a Nirvana song. So I would say probably anything Nirvana and specifically that song in particular would be great.
0: And if there was one thing that if there was one character that you could give another book to from Love Buzz, like a side character that you can go deeper into their story, who would it be and why?
1: Ooh. Um I think it would be Odette. So Odette is an older character that Serena the main character meets on the plane on an airplane and they have they kind of build this relationship on the through the course of their conversation on the plane and she's this sort of feisty says what's on her mind doesn't really have a filter um, type of character and I would love I love the idea of a love story for an elderly spunky character like her I think that would be really fun to write all
0: right last one if you were to meet one of your characters, who would be your rival and who would be your friend?
1: Oh, what a great question. Um, who would be my rival? That one's throwing me off a little bit. I, cause I tend, I think I like everyone on the, oh, actually, no, that's not true. Um, Melody, the maid of honor would be my rival, similar to Serena, um, because she has sort of taken her place as best friend in the wedding and they're both bridesmaids. And so I would, I would certainly feel a level of, um, of sort of probably animosity <laughs> towards her for that and jealousy perhaps. And then who what was the other part? Who would I who would, would be, be my friend? best friend? Yeah. Um, I think Serena and also her best friend Clarence would both be in my small in my tight circle for sure. they're both they're good friends. We have they have similar personalities in relation some friendly relationships to mine, which is, you know, kind of sarcastic and biting and you can't really get away with much. So I think they would fit right in.
0: Sounds perfect. Yeah, no, I loved reading about that part, especially that you had such a dynamic friendship group. So it was great to see in a rom
1: com. Awesome. All
0: right, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And where can readers find you on social media? Yes, Those thank
1: friends. you for having me. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, and it's just Neely Alexander Writes. Um, is where mostly where I post book updates
0: and don't forget to grab your copy of love buzz wherever you buy books from thank you so much stay tuned for thank time you time. thank you for tuning into today's raise your words podcast episode if you like this episode or this kind of content make sure to stay updated on the raise your words instagram page so that's at Raise Your Words Pod, at Raise Your Words Pod. Stay tuned for more.